0: Back then, you didn't go online and buy tickets. Back back then, you had to stand in line in front of a ticket shop and buy the tickets there. And um, they opened this the the ticket shop at nine o'clock. Um, but I remember with important shows, there were always lines early on. So I went there in, in the middle of the week at six. O'clock, I think, and I stood in front of, of the mall, and then they opened the door of the mall and I ran through the mall to the ticket shop. And I, I sat on the floor, I was, I was the third one in row, uh, in line uh, for, for, for them to open like three hours later. I was sitting on the floor and there were newspaper people and they took photographs and asked us what we were doing there. And um, I got my tickets and I came home um, the ne- I'm very proud and next day I had to go to school and tell my teacher why I wasn't there because I skipped school. And I said, well, I'm 18 years old now and there are two ways we can handle this. Either I write a note which says I had a headache and I sign it myself, which I'm allowed to do because I'm 18 years old. Or I'll just tell you the truth and I pulled out that newspaper article, um, put that on the, on, the, on the table with my photo in it and I said, um, well, you can decide. And he said, give me a pen. And he's, he signed that, that newspaper article, as a teacher does when he gets a note that you were sick. So he said, OK, this is accepted. And uh, that was it. I said, uh-huh. this is the right guy. <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, joining me today all the way from Berlin, uh, a fellow podcaster. My new friend, Dennis, uh, joins me. Hey, Dennis, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much for letting me invite myself. Oh, no, I'm glad. (laughs) So, uh,
1: yeah, tell us a little about yourself.
0: Well, first of all, I'm I'm a fan of your podcast, let me start that way. The full disclosure, I, I just, just wrote, Jesse said, well, I love your podcast. I just would really like if you had invited me. And, said, and he said, yes. So thank you very much for letting me do that. And I really enjoyed listening to you. Now I'm actually here seeing you, which is really a great pleasure. Um, who am I? That's a very complicated question. There's a long answer. And there's a medium-sized answer and a short answer. I think we try something in between short and medium. I think that should sound
1: Sounds do. good. <laughs> I, know, I as I've talked to other people, they apologize I'm gone off on a tangent I'm like no no no. we're all about tangents on my show we just I love conversation
0: well I'm I'm a podcaster I live for tangents that's that's the whole concept of of my my uh, podcast endeavors is just to talk as long as it's fun exactly no well said (laughs) well let's let's let me try to um, get things in, in order well first of all I'm a dad um, second of all, I'm a husband. I hope my wife uh, agrees with that uh, order of, of things. Um, I just sent my little son to bed with a nice story of a tutu train, and now he's he's sleeping, and I'm, I'm here to talk to you in, in Dallas. Um, otherwise, um, I've got a job. I'm the VP of a political consultant agency. We do other things too, but we mainly do political consulting. Um, and um, in my spare time, which is where the stuff happens, which I would really come up with when you ask me, who am I? The other thing is my job, which I love, and I'm could, probably good at it. But the other part is, who, who are you? That question, that, the difficult one. That's basically a long list of things I do. It's, um, I'm an author. I'm a, I'm a podcaster. I'm a photographer. I'm a YouTuber. I, um, I'm a rock star who never was. <laughs> so when I, when I was young, I dreamt of, of, of strapping on that guitar, that Telecaster, and uh, becoming Bruce Springsteen, and that didn't happen. So I have to do everything in, in between. Basically, that's the uh, medium sized answer. Jesse, I I can't hear you.
1: Your day gig sounds interesting. Do you uh, just work with uh, politicians, companies? What, What do you do?
0: And uh, we, we mostly work with one uh, party in Germany, which is probably con- um, the, the sister party of your Democrats over there. Okay. Uh, the, the, the the German Social Democratic Party. That's the um, we actually belong to them. They have a few um, different companies that belong to them, and we are one of those. And we do lots of uh, different causes with, um, with trade unions and and all kinds of organizations on in the left, leftish, medium to well, mid to to leftish. Um, spectrum and uh, we also have different companies who work with us who don't really care about any politics they just want uh, to hire us as a, as a communications agency or we produce podcasts and we do produce magazines and and all sorts of uh, publications um, but our main gig is is um, helping our our mother basically the social democratic party um, win elections and we just did
1: oh well that's good news so they're,
0: they're still working on the coalition, but um, um, the and the the general election was to stay um, Great success, a very surprising success. And in Mecklenburg-Vorpommern, which is a state government, we just uh, um, made sure that the um, the incumbent stayed in office.
1: Well, good. Uh, I know it's a it's a crazy time politically across uh, the world. I mean, not just I know uh, we feel. It's a crazy time in the US but then when I see the news talking about, you know, Europe and and other countries um it is a crazy time for everyone. Uh COVID has just been just something that we don't seem to be able to get out of and it it's scary scary for me as a as a normal citizen and it doesn't feel at times that my elected officials Seem to want to hear what I have to say.
0: Yeah, you're in in, in Texas, right? So I am in Texas. I, I, I gather you have one of those um, governors who's not really listening to the scientists. exact sites.
1: Yes, yes. Is, As is that diplomatically s- s- enough for someone. Yes, <laughs> no, that's very well. I tend to be more on your side of the agenda, and most of the elected officials in Texas tend to be on the other side. Uh, to be very, uh, very conservative and very, um, and, and, you know, very strongly into the Republican Party. And, and what, what really bothers me, Dennis, and I promise we'll get off politics in a minute, but it, in, at least in the US, it has started being us against you versus, hey, we both want the same goals we just disagree how to get them. Like we want in the US, for example, we want everyone to have healthcare, but we just disagree how to do that. Instead it's, uh, no, you're a horrible person because you want to spend money on infrastructure versus, well, you're a horrible person because you don't want to spend money on infrastructure. And it's very fractured.
0: Yeah, yeah. I lived. I lived in America for for a year, 1992. So basically, okay. I was I was able to to pretend to elect Bill Clinton to office when when I was in okay. high school. We had these fake elections and uh, Ross Perot one, I think, in my, <laughs> my high school in West Virginia. So um, I, I know what what you mean. And there's a certain trend. And uh, there's this is saying when America catches a cold, every, every sneezes, everybody else catches a cold. Basically, that's uh, I think that's how the saying goes. And um, that's. Probably true. Um, lots of the mm. things you describe, um, you can see in Europe as well. Um, yeah. You have the Brexit in, in, in Britain. That's where my family comes from. And I um, look at that and I just shake my head and say, what happened to, to Great Britain? That that can't be the country where my, my dad's from. That, so I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. And uh, you see that in Eastern Europe a lot. You see that uh, across Europe, basically. And in, in Germany, we have um, parties who act basically like copycats of um, of the, the Trumpian version of the, um, the Republicans. And uh, besides those, everybody else in the German parliament could be running for um, office in America as a Democrat. That's the funny thing about it. We do have wow. left and right parties. Um, we have the Christian Democrats who are very conservative. But if you look at um, the democratic spectrum over there, they're still on the democratic spectrum, um, yes. which, is, which is interesting. Um, I think Germany has learned one thing after World War II, which is try to stay in the middle, work on consensus, and then you will th- then you won't get into much trouble. Um, basically, it was one of the things we learned from you guys after yes. World War II. And um, there, there are big f- uh, factions of people who try to scrape away at that consensus. There are people who uh, tell you that wearing a mask is like um, um, totalitarian. Um, regime coming to get you and uh, there are people who um, they they started with the the euro was a bad idea because then the the german mark the very important currency was gone and europe would run germany and uh, very strange kinds of concepts uh, but they they keep getting traction and um, if you look at what they're doing they're they're copying a lot of the things that uh, the trumpian uh, republican party did and um as you probably gathered i'm probably i'm probably very clear that I'm more on the democratic spectrum, but yes, um, absolutely. As a, am I. A, a real Republican party from what I understood originally um, does not exist anymore for, as far as I can see from over here. And um,
1: I tend to agree. And I also listening to former <clears throat> for current Republican leaders and former Republican leaders, who were all about um, smaller government, uh, a strong national defense, a you know um, giving as much point to the local governments as well. You know has changed to this very almost judgmental hypocrisy of I want to tell you how to live. I you know uh, they have become very very um there are certain milestone beliefs that about a woman's right to choose or um the and currently we're fighting a lot of rules that are very clearly trying to stop people from voting versus you know everyone should want to vote that, that should not be a controversy wearing a mask should not be controversial Giving yeah. everyone access to rights should not be controversial, but it is, and it's it's a sad thing, I think, at least in my mind.
0: Yeah, I ab- absolutely agree. But I think with with an eye with an eye or ear to our listeners, um, maybe we should yeah. um, what, it they, what it they say? Um, yeah. Shut up and sing. Is that what yes? We're exactly. To do? That's exactly <laughs> what we, that is, I was exactly
1: <laughs> where you were going to say, Dennis. Uh, talk about growing up. So, yeah. where did you grow up, and what kind of music did your family listen to?
0: Okay. Otherwise, I could just talk about the song growing up, which is also good yes, for an hour. Can so. we <laughs> yes, we could do that too. We can talk about. we could. But the, the, the original question: um, I grew up in Hamburg, um, in the northern part of Germany. I moved to Berlin when I was around thirty or thirty. Five, I think um, for, for my job but otherwise I'm, I'm from Hamburg and I still feel like I'm from there I'm just living here while I have to <laughs> basically that's strong roots um, my dad's from England my mom's from Hamburg and they met when they were young and uh, they stayed um, I think my dad left England when he was around 19 or something and went to Hamburg and met my mother and stayed there and um, he um brought the Beatles with him, I guess, That's, sure. um, in, in a suitcase. And uh, the Beatles also started in Hamburg. So there's definitely a strong connection. My, my mom's also a, a Beatles fan, not as, as hardcore as my dad used to be. She was more like a casual fan, but she knew all the songs and uh, she loved Paul McCartney. And um, there's also a huge amount of music that was in my, my family um, back then, there was like the, the German rock stars like like Peter Maffay and Udo Lindenberg and people like that, um, who I always thought well, as long as I can see Bruce, I have to look at watch what they what these guys are doing and and yeah. just kind of uh, on a German scale, that's probably the, the closest we have to like real icons. There are a lot of pop stars and a lot of people who are very well known, but if you just look at the the really top tier, there are just two or three up there, and. Um, those were the ones my my my, my parents um, l- let me listen to, and what they listened to. Um, maybe added some left leaning child children's music. There's mm-hmm. some really fun stuff you, when you look at it now. It's it's weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's it's fun. It's on the right track. But it's, yeah. it's a little little too easy answers <laughs> for a very complicated world but uh, lots of pacifism and lots of um, Mm -hmm. social justice issues and um, play with not with the right kids, but with the real kids, not, not the ones they tell you to play with, but with your real friends. Sure. Music like that. Basically that's um, what uh, my mother especially gave me.
1: So Dennis um, you mentioned, and, and I wondered about that, you know, is there a sense of pride among fans of the Beatles that, you know, over and over, people talk about like the um, Malcolm Gladwell talking about that them playing those hours of in the German clubs is what helped that crucible them grow into being the Beatles. Is there a sense of pride about that among musicians or, or music fans there in Hamburg and in Germany?
0: Yeah, I, I think so i mean that's probably an age thing too i think that sure. the kids don't don't really well i think whoever listens to the Beatles says well this is good music i think right. you wouldn't find anyone who says what what's this right but the, the real fans and the people who really have a connection with them they probably i would venture a guess would probably start maybe 35 upwards those yeah. maybe and um when you when you when you're in Hamburg and you walk across the Reeperbahn and uh, then you walk into the Große Freiheit, which is one of the little side streets, and there was a club, there the Star Club. This was, that's where the Beatles played when they when they were, when they were maybe, I don't know twenty or something, very young. And um, when you walk across those streets, you think this is weird. Um, they're playing. There's there there's prostitution. There's drugs. There's alcohol. There's clubs. There's everything. And right in the middle are these clean-cut cut boys from Liverpool. And uh, now you look back at them and say, well, they weren't that clean cut. They may have been, been wearing suits later on, but at that yes. time they've been wearing leather jackets and they were probably having lots of fun around the, the clubs and uh, didn't tell anyone about that.
1: <laughs> no, I can imagine that they was, um, to to use a really bad analogy, right? They're at Disneyland, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're England, all of a sudden they're at this, you know, this you know, they're everywhere where there's everything, every vice available, and at the same time playing music and just loving to play the music. Um, a few years ago, my buddy who does the Doctor Who podcast with me and I, um, to for fun, we picked the five shows we would go to if we had a time machine. And one of them I picked was to go see the Beatles in that you know somewhere in those early days in germany because i think that would be fascinating to see knowing them the same thing i wish that um i would love to go see bruce like in houston texas which is only you know three hours from where i grew up you know in the middle 70s right just mm-hmm. where he would have been outside his element but still trying to work his shows i think that would be fascinating to see that
0: is that way we'll play seeds is that what but yes um, exactly that's exactly <laughs>
1: that's where it came from yeah well, well oh, so yes. as as you start getting older um you know your teenage years your your university years what kind of music were you listening to and when did bruce enter the picture
0: well there are basically three big parts the first part was Elvis, when 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 I was a, a, a wee lad, as my my my, my nana would, would call me, um, Elvis was everything. That was um, I had these sure. at tape at my tapes, Hound Dog and Jailhouse Rock. Was I, I remember dancing to Jailhouse Rock in my elementary school. The, the the gym was closed for renovations and we had to move into a music room and, and uh, do some exercises there. And they didn't know what to do with us. So they put on some music and let us dance the Jailhouse rock. And we we sweated more than we ever did. Oh so yeah, that, that's, absolutely. That's, <laughs> so that's where everything started basically. And uh, the second part was um, Michael Jackson. I think um, there, there's not a kid in the world my age who hasn't had a love affair with that music and that, that myth and the, the magical... Uh, everything about it wasn't that just that person there was much more there was there was a, a it like, was like like watching a disney movie you could actually enter it and stay there and that that's headspace and there was so much fantasy and magic and pretending to be michael jackson dancing around and wearing one glove to school and all that sure and um after after that came bruce Pretty much, when in 1988 or 89, I just asked my friend this morning, "Whose whose fault it is?" Um, when exactly that moment was, and he he wasn't quite sure. It was 88 or 89, and uh, that happened in my high school. Um, there was a student concert, and there's always these the the, um, the fifth graders have their little xylophones and they start singing and they do all these. Every group and every age group has a certain time slot to fill. And there are the, the good ones, and they are the bad ones, and there are the ones where just the parents think it's great. And um, at the end of those uh, school concerts, there was always one slot for a band, for a rock band from the school to play. And there was one band called The Better Straits with the singer Markus Siebert. And uh, uh, they walked on stage after we had suffered through one and a half hours of every Beatles cover you could imagine and... and, and uh, and uh, California Dreamings sung by the school choir and all, all, all that. And uh, in the end, there was just one band. And those folks walked up on stage. And I am very sure that they thought they were playing a stadium because they rocked the house. It was amazing. The, the guy was 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 wearing a, a bandana, a T-shirt, and tight-fitting jeans. He had his guitar slung very low. I remember that very, very clearly how low the guitar was. And um, they they played four songs, and um, I loved every one of it. I, I'm, not, I'm now I know that there were all Springsteen songs, but I didn't know the songs. And right. when they, when it came to the encore, which was very unusual because we're not allowed to play encores at that school um, uh, concert, but they just did because that's they were a rock band and they were the last on the bill, so that's what they did. Yeah, and they played they they played Born the U.S.A. and in my German high school back in the late '80s. Uh, young me stood on the, sta- on, the, on, the, on the folding chairs with everybody else. We screamed our lungs out, singing Born the USA. Um, we were clapping our hands so hard. We were screaming. We were sweating. It was amazing what happened in that room. And uh, afterwards, I turned to my parents. What the hell was that? I've <laughs> never heard this music. What was that? And uh, they said, well, that's Bruce Springsteen. I said, how was that not in my life before? Where was that? And uh, we asked the friends of my, my my dad's who had um, a good record collection. He said, yeah, I've got some Springsteen stuff. I'll make you a mixtape. And I uh, didn't get a mixtape. I got one side with Born the USA and the flip side was Tunnel of Love. The Born the USA side was written with a blue pencil, uh, with, a, with a blue pen and a red marker on it. So I, I, like a text marker. And the other side was Tunnel of Love marked with blue and blue. And I remember that. That tape, I carried that around forever. I listened to it back to back to front and front to back, and uh, that was actually how the whole thing started. And um, thanks to Marcus with his with his band, um, and I just didn't listen to the music. I wanted to be that. I said, yeah. I, I want a guitar. I want to sing. I want to write. I want to do all that stuff. Not Bruce. I wanted to be Marcus, because that's the guy I saw playing sure. that music. And after a while I figured out, well, Marcus was a nice guy and he's really good, but there's actually someone called Bruce and uh, that's actually the one I wanted to be. So that took me all through high school with my bands, school bands and um, most of my college years. And um, in the end, it, most, most school bands, um, they finally settle into adult life and then they have the guitar in the corner and say, well, now I could actually afford the good guitar but I don't have a band anymore. I don't have time. And, uh, people would look at me funny if I just jump up and down and and scream my head off. So you kind of move away from that. And that's always a little bit of pain that uh, stays with you because you never actually went all the way. And, uh, when my son was born three years ago, we, we watched uh, pretty, pretty much closely afterwards. There was the, the, the Broadway show. Um, and we watched that on, on Netflix and, uh, we, we don't really watch television with him um, if we can um, the last first two and a half years. We didn't watch any television. Um, but with that, that was an exception. I, had, I sat yes. him on my lap and said, just look at this. He had no idea what I was talking about, but he was right. looking at the guy with the guitar and I said, daddy wanted to be that. That was the first choice. Everything else is plan B. Plan B is fine, but that's the thing. So he got the truth right there. And uh, let's see what, what happens with him. Maybe he will be the one picking up the guitar again later.
1: Right. I think both little Stephen and uh, Bruce have talked about uh, the the numbers of how many people get a guitar and how many pe- then a fewer amount of people actually learn how to play it. Then a fewer amount start a band, and you know, then you go through to, you know, one out of whatever thousand, ten thousand, whatever number to be, actually reaches a point where they can make a living at it, much less be as successful as Bruce has been or, or other artists. So yeah, I I I get that, right? And but you also I think of the line of in the wish all the things that guitar has brought us, right? So I assume also Dennis that there has been that joy and that satisfaction in your life by learning that guitar and 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 having that dream and still picking up and playing for it. I assume you play for your kids?
0: Sure, sure. Just did that today. <laughs> yes,
1: that's great. That is awesome. Yeah. You you you're very it, it's interesting that your first exposure was a a Springsteen cover band you know I, I'm sure you know the the story that we talk a lot about here that often seeing Bruce live is what moves you to a different level and yours it was a copy of Bruce live but it still was the same thing can you articulate what about that music spoke to you so much and made you go oh my yeah that's it this is this is what i've been looking for
0: well if you, i think a few of your guests have all, all quoted um john landau with, uh, made me mu- made me listen to music for the very first time or something like that made me feel like i was listening to music for the very first time i think that's the right. quote. and and that was it that was basically it before that i i loved um well maybe there was something with the 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 Jailhouse Rock experience. I think that's pretty close, because there was some something which was very bodily. There was, there was that grabbed you by 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 the lapel and, and shook you basically. It said, "Well, now you all shook up." Basically, yes. so that's what happened. And that 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 auditorium, I could actually feel that music kick me in the gut and said, "Now listen, this is important. This is not some kind of school band." These are not the best musicians of the school or whatever. There are no five-minute guitar solos. This is just important, and that was just the bodily part first, and then I started listening to what what, what uh, Bruce was singing and uh, diving more into the the lyric side um, and discovering so much more than just that. But first, it was definitely the 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 let's now let's dance and be loud part. And then I moved over to the um, the Dylan-inspired um, social commentary, the, the deep feelings which were there, the, all this stuff he probably didn't even know he was doing at the time, because I, I'm pretty sure that he looks back at his own catalog and says, how the hell did I write that at 20-something? Yeah, exactly. This, 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 this is no way that a young guy can, can write this stuff. But somehow he did. And uh, that's how I discovered it, too. And every time I listen to it, I rediscover it and rediscover it. And I'm really surprised when I dive into an old album and say, I, I knew it, but this was here, but why didn't I catch this earlier? So the, the, the Springsteen discovery is maybe a process which never ends. Maybe that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and I think of that line in the Letter to You documentary, right, where Dylan had said, "If this guy's not careful, he's going to run out of words in the dictionary." Right? So
0: (laughs) he tried. He tried. Yes,
1: he did try. (laughs) Um, So um, you've got that cassette. It's got the two uh, albums on it. Did you go out and try to explore and find other like his his other albums and discovers this is about this is the late '80s, so early 90s this is when you know a lot of fans call the dark period right where he's he's broken up with the E street band he's not doing as much so were you going and exploring like darkness and letters and other stuff readings uh,
0: yeah but not in that order I, okay. I jumped around a lot i think i I didn't i don't probably there was no internet i probably didn't didn't pull up blue springs didn't dot something and looked at it and said well, okay this is this is the order i'm supposed to listen to i just grabbed everything the record store had, started with the lower prices. There was a a, a a marketing thing called Nice Price in Germany, which they stuck on everything they couldn't sell. And so I I bought um Asprey Park and I bought um the E Street Shuffle. I think that's what the next albums I bought. Um listened to that. Loved um, Asbury Park didn't love um, East e Street Shuffle. Um, that's something I discovered much later that I, I really liked that album, but back then I didn't. Um, also, listened to that on tapes, especially when I was on my way to to school. I put I copied the the, the album onto tape and then listened right. to it on my Walkman. And uh, then came the the early nineties, um, which I really loved because now I knew Springsteen and there was new music coming out, and not just one album but two, and. Uh, I remember how excited I was, what kind of rush of adrenaline it was when I um, listened to Human Touch for the very first time. I watched it on, on MTV. I, I, I looked at it and said, well, I just discovered this guy and now there's something new. And I'm one of the people who listen to this fresh. I'm not in the recycling bin digging for cheap records. I'm here for, for the new stuff. And uh, I love both albums. I, I have a favorite. I, I of course it's um, Lucky Town grabbed me as a, uh, as a rocker more than the other one, which is fine. I, I, there's a lot of people um, um, looking down on it, but I think it's a brilliant album. There's too yeah. much gloss on it. It's, it's a bit too sparkly, but those were the 90s. That's what you did in, in, a, in a studio especially when when you went uh, and and um didn't have your band with you but but the producer and they bought the in the best musicians right. and that's just what they did yes and i don't think there's any record in the beginning of the 90s which sounds um better than this yes i, I just love the albums and um i i i know why i like the the uh, um uh, no what's it what did i say the Lucky Town, my my, yeah. my brain. That's all right. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can leave that in. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that album. You can hear how how fast it was recorded, and I think that's one of the, the magic things that also happens with um, when you listen to, uh, listen to Letter to You, because you feel the. The 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 energy of this just needs to be recorded now. Yes. Don't mess with it. Just these songs are important. Let's hit them, um, count them in, and let's see what happens. And then and put, put it out. It's good. It's it's really good. And whatever you do to it later would not help the songs, but would actually be counterproductive and um that i kept that was the time when I was in america and then i when I went to to West virginia and i thought now i 'm going to America, and everybody there is a springsteen fan and uh, I, was, I was 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 like Getting on the plane, everybody there was would probably would be wearing bandanas and and singing Bon Jovi all day long, and everybody looked at me and said, "What, Springsteen? Really? Um, no, <laughs> we moved on. <laughs> that's that's been a while." So everybody in my high school was into Metallica and Guns N' Roses and Garth Brooks. Basically, we had yes. those three um, uh, groups in, in high school. They two of them talked with each other sometimes and the other group didn't talk to anyone else so and I was in the middle I said well Springsteen does everything of uh, there's country there's rock there's everything in there why don't you just listen to Springsteen it's easier yeah nobody listened to me
1: (laughs) what uh why did you come to the U.S. for a year what what happened why was that a journey that you went on
0: It was a high school exchange program they they sent me to high school for my senior year in 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 Gilmer County High School go titan so um shout out to those nice people yes and um it was amazing because I had that picture in my head of 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 Springsteen America sure I wasn't looking I wasn't looking for New York City or 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 LA I was looking for New Jersey yes and uh and West Virginia I know looks different but it feels a lot like that a lot of people who are very honest uh, they tell you how they see it they work hard they're not, not, not most of them are pretty poor there's not a lot of money in, in West Virginia few families have all of it and the rest work for those two or three families that's at least how I saw it back then and um I, I said well this music should explain your life to you guys this is exactly what your lives are about and they were more like well, yes, maybe, but I don't want to hear it. I yeah. want to numb my my uh, my feelings with hard rock. I want to ex- escape all this. Oh, I want to paint a picture of pretty girls and 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 um, and cowboys, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, I want to I, do I friends
0: at good, low so, places. You know, yes, like, yeah, yeah too. Yeah. yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. Um, so becoming a fan um at that time period he's not touring and as you well know since you were kind enough to say uh sweet things about the podcast I always preface this with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are but um Dennis have you gotten to see him live and if so how many times
0: I I tried counting and I actually Came up with the number six. I'm not quite sure if that's accurate, if it's five or seven, but I tried a couple of times. I listened to more of your podcasts and I saw Springsteen Live. So that goes for you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) That's very sweet of you. Yes.
0: And uh, yeah, the first show I saw was uh, the Tom Joe 2, actually. I came back from America and uh, went back to school. And um, then there was this record release and, I said, well, what's this? This is totally different. Where did, where did that come from? By then I was really listening to for the lyrics, not, not just the music. And I said, wow, these are really cool stories. Those are like mini-movies. And um then they said, Well, Springsteen's coming to Hamburg. He's he's going to play in the C C H, which is the um Congress Center, which is, was actually the, the, the same place where he played in Germany for the very first time. He played in that that um that venue. And um, I said, well, I've got to go there, but this is so small. Doesn't he play like arenas and stadiums and well, what's going on? I said, no, this that he's just touring on this album and um, it's going to be smaller and it's going to be very hard to get tickets. So I was, I was panicking. I said, well, well, now I know Springsteen. I'm falling in love with him. I fought for him in America. Nobody listened to me, but I'm the, the yes. evangelical Springsteen fan, basically. Right. And, um, and now he's coming and you're telling me it's going to be hard to get tickets. What will happen if I don't get one? I was I was really looking down into the abyss there. Yes, <laughs> so I, I, was, know, I can I imagine, right? Really like, panicky. oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, uh, he's
1: in my town and I'm yes, not seeing him? No.
0: I was really panicking. And um, back then, you didn't go online and buy tickets. Back, back then, you had to stand in line in front of a ticket shop and buy the tickets there. And um, they opened this, the, the ticket shop at 9 o'clock. Um, But I remember with important shows, there were always lines early on. So I went there in in the middle of the week at 6 o'clock, I think, and I stood in front of of the mall and then they opened the door of the mall and I ran through the mall, to the ticket shop, and I I sat on the floor. I was was the third one in row uh, in line uh, for for them to open three hours later. I was sitting on the floor and there were newspaper people and they took photographs and asked us what we were doing there and um, I got my tickets and I came home um, the ne- I'm very proud. And next day I had to go to school and tell my teacher why I wasn't there because I skipped school. And I said, well, I'm 18 years old now. And there are two ways we can handle this. Either I write a note which says I had a headache and I sign it myself, which I'm allowed to do because I'm 18 years old. Or I'll just tell you the truth. And I pulled out that newspaper article, um, put that on the, on, the, on the table with my photo in it. And I said, um, "Well, you can decide." And he said, "Give me a pen." And he's, he signed that that newspaper article as a teacher does when he gets a note that he was sick. So he said, "Okay, this is accepted," and uh, that was it. I said, "This is the right guy."
1: <laughs> I love that story so much. That is greatness. That is wonderful.
0: It really is. Uh,
1: yeah, that, that's that's a cool teacher.
0: That was my, my music teacher, Klaus Schrickel. Shout out to him. And he was the one who actually let me let me um, play with my band and in, in, in off hours at school. I could use the rooms and the equipment and everything. So he, he was really a great influence there.
1: Talk about that first show, the excitement of you going. I, I'm sure you were just nervous and anxious and just all kinds of emotions going on.
0: Yeah. Um, back in... A little later in, in university, I wrote, I wrote an essay about this experience. I couldn't find it anymore. But the premise was that I was too excited, looking forward to the memory of it, to really enjoy it. I was sitting there, I said, I wanted to come home and tell people that I was there. I wanted to share everything with them instead of just sitting there and enjoying it. So what I did, I, I got my little dictaphone out. You remember these little tape recorders, tiny ones with the tiny mini cassettes in it, which you used at the office for for like um, like memos and letters and stuff. And I had one of those. I took that to the to the show, put my finger on the little red LED or whatever that little light bulb was, and I pressed a record. And I held that to uh, to my side so nobody could see it, and I list uh, recalled the whole show. And um, I kept looking at the little light uh just just hoping that no one would see that little red light uh, blinking and uh, at the end i just put that away and when the last two or three songs we were able to rush the stage everybody was supposed to sit there and be quiet i think at one point you just said shut yeah. up <laughs> because this is not one of those shows this is a different kind you can believe me if you want but otherwise that's just a no, quote from that's the quote the okay so. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because people started clapping I said no, no 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 you're gonna mess these things up this is not about that this is something different and in the end he just opened it up and played a few songs everybody just rushed the stage and sang along and danced and I was standing in the aisle maybe 10 feet away from him and at that moment I just had no idea what I was seeing I did not Register what I was seeing. I, that was over so fast that I didn't really enjoy it. I enjoy the memory of standing there and telling the story, but at that moment it was so surreal that I was actually standing there. Um, that's something that I tried to make up for when I was at a club concert of, of John Bon Jovi when he did his solo stuff. And I was able to play in a club. Uh, I was going to the club where he played with his band and I was actually standing in front of the stage. Uh, I looked at his boots and I could see that his, his, his heels were scruffed and then, that he didn't wear the new boots. He just wore the old ones because they were comfortable. And right. I looked at, at every detail on stage. when he dropped a pick, Said, Well, maybe he will, I will get that later or something. And, and that's where I actually tried to recreate that memory. But um, with, with pretty close. It's New Jersey, but you know, it's right. not the boss, but um at that moment with Bruce, there was just too much, basically, for my 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 emotions to to really um, register everything. But and, and the tape is terrible. I, I still have it in my 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 cupboard. You can see behind me. That's a yes. big suitcase with all lots of Springsteen tapes in there. And it's not one of those illegal things you sell online. It's just my little terrible recording. And I don't even have a dictaphone, so I have to buy one on eBay sooner or later. But well, it's still there.
1: And I think that's a great example of. We often talk about trying to be present, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, you know, where you're worrying about recording stuff or, or taking photos or, and just instead stopping and enjoying the moment, you know, uh, I think that's really good advice for whether it's a concert, whether it's a sporting activity, whether it's dinner with your family that too often we're not enjoying the moment. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why better days is one of my favorite songs, because I think in a lot of ways, that's what that song's about is enjoying the journey. So I think that's interesting that the young you was looking back at it. You enjoyed it, but you could have been more in the moment,
0: yeah the, the late later with other springs and shows i was more able to do that but at that moment it was just a, a little bit too much i guess sure. no that makes <laughs> sense
1: uh so talk about some of the other shows you've gone to any stories you want to share where uh have most of them been in uh in germany or have you gone through europe uh to see them what talk a little bit about that
0: basically just just hamburg and berlin um okay. the, the, the the second show i saw was that uh, reunion show and they did they didn't come to hamburg back then with the east street band but they went to berlin and i told my parents Wh- whatever happens this guy's coming you know we all agree he's the best but now he's actually bringing the east street band no offense to the other band which was, were five musicians yes but absolutely this is clarence Clements and 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 nils lofgren and and all those i need to go there and I said well we need to go there too. so what we did um, we got my, my, my parents had a camper van back then and we got my whole band and my parents and we all hopped into the camper van and and drove, um now it's three hours back then with a with that old bus that probably was like five hours four and a half from hamburg to berlin back in 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 the eastern part of germany uh, of east east, well it's yeah it's going to east and then the eastern part of berlin it was already of course um, one city but it was still the eastern part of berlin back then In the Wuhlheide, a very beautiful concert venue open air it's in the middle of a forest it's like a deep crater basically you go down and then and then all around you've got trees and in the evening the the, the moon comes up over the stage and i remember my mom also tells me we're pretty sure that we remembered the same way that when he played uh, born to run the the moon was coming up uh, oh, nice. maybe that's maybe that's a legend i'm not quite sure but it's a family legend we both agree that it's true so uh, yes th- there you go there you have it um and we, we uh, i was there with my band and that was the that was the magic. I wasn't there with my parents or by myself or with my girlfriend or whatever. I was there with my band. And I was pretty sure back then that was still a possibility. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know know how that ended up. But at that moment, at that stage, when you pick up a guitar and you play in the band in school, you are pretty sure that that is a real possibility, that you could actually one day stand on that stage. So I wasn't just listening to Springsteen and and, and the band and, and checking out everything. I was looking at the amplifiers. I was looking at the cables. I was looking at the set list. I was looking at everything I could find and 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 soaking up every little bit of it. And at the end of the show, um, I just lingered. I was just I stayed there, and I just wanted to stay close to the stage and and watch the roadies tear everything up. One of the roadies walked up to the front of the stage and just, just uh, started grabbing the, the, the piece of paper stuck to the floor with the set list. And they, they crumbled it up and threw them um, in the corner. And I said, excuse me, could I have one of those, please? And he said, yeah, yeah sure. And he just threw that over to me. And I still have two pages of the set list from back then. I gave one of that to my um, my best man for my wedding. Yes. Neil, Neil should, um, should honor that. And I have the other one. And uh, this is just an amazing document. It's just, it's, it's, it's Ariel 15 on white paper. So it's nothing special. Right. It has the Springsteen songs with the date on it and Berlin. So that's, that's, that's a magical piece of paper. I've got that stuck in my record collection. So whenever I pull out the records, that piece of paper falls out. I've got to frame that one day, but until then it stays there. And uh, that's what probably the the most magical ones were the other ones were great concert experiences and it was wonderful to be there and of course everything is like a church service i think that's a lot of lot of your listeners called it a, a quasi religious experience um but that's what what it was um but those first two things him solo and then with the Easter band were probably the ones that uh, i remember most yeah
1: yeah Dennis and I were having a blast talking so we kept on recording but I'm going to split it in two parts so come back tomorrow where we talk more about his podcast and how Bruce has inspired him to try to do great things. See you tomorrow. Set Bruce has a Patreon page where you can offer to donate anything from a dollar a month up to whatever amount you want thanks to the wonderful people who support the podcast through patreon i'm able to cover the cost of the zoom recordings and the hosting of the podcast putting it out things like that so thank you to holly mac Steve Rogers, Dale Hosack, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, Mary Thomas, Alex Simulta, Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio. Each of you are my Springsteen siblings. You are my angels and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for all your support and love.